Hello, everybody, and welcome to Saints Radio. This is a very unusual day. Can you tell already? <laughs> it's not every day unusual. Yeah. Every day is peculiar, unusual. Because we are a peculiar people. Uh, why isn't, weren't there any worship songs about being peculiar? There probably are. No, I'll see if I can find you some. Give me some goosebumpy, peculiar songs. Well, I can't guarantee goosebumps, but. Yeah, I'm holding up for goosebumps. Um, one of the reasons that it's unusual today is that even though you can't see this, we are not in our normal room. We are down in the youth room booth where Scott usually hangs out. And the reason we're down here in this little room is because the new equipment is being beginning to be installed. And uh, there are a lot of workers up in the other booth right now, and they're dismantling the old TriCaster, the old TriCaster. And so we hope you can hear us. We hope you can... Uh, can um, discern what's what's being said uh, but that's one of the reasons it's unusual so we've got equipment being put in we are relocated temporarily into this little room I wouldn't really even call this a booth would you it's a like a holding tank <laughs> holding it's basically it. Scott's office but of course I come in here and I want to straighten things up and <laughs> It's probably the last thing he wants me to do. Well, <laughs> of course, as Monica pointed out, as soon as we started, one of our, I guess I can say it without seeming racist, uh, there's a Mexican lawn mowing crew that just started up outside. And these, these windows in this little room, I think, were made back during the Truman administration, so they're just as thin as paper. There is no soundproofing in this room at all. So that's pretty much a picture of what's going on. But we're really happy to be here with you today, aren't we? We sure are. As always. This is like a testimony of overcoming. Overcoming obstacles and good things, though. When things kind of get turned upside down, you just find a way. Where there seems to be no way. Spirit of improvisation spirit of um, creativity. Where's Bezalel when you need him? I think he's in here. Is he? Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, this, this room is really funny. I mean, and I know we need to talk about more spiritual things, but this room has a history. And part of that history is that um, when I became pastor, somehow the pastor that I followed determined that this room was going to be his office only he didn't tell anybody and so there's a mail slot in the door that he had a former board member put in I guess for the purpose of people delivering mail to him but again he didn't tell anybody that we were supposed to do this and so I am um, I was really curious as to what was going on back here. And I came back one day and he was in here and it, it just was, 
he had new shelves put in and all those shelves over there. He was really getting this thing put together. But then he never used it as Who an are office. You talking about? Oh. He never used he never used this as an office somehow. I think he well, I don't think he got angry that the church didn't jump in and turn this into a Shangri-La of some sort. But I, he never said anything. Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I remember when we were in the throes of our saint school mm-hmm. about 20 years ago and and they made this room into I guess what would be like a Namada cost study room where they put a couple of really big desktop computers in here. Oh, yeah. And we were all learning how to use word search and 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 do word searches and word studies and things like that. And so if you wanted to access a computer, because at that point, I don't know if a lot of people actually had no. computers at home. And so we were g- being given assignments to whether it was um, city kind of assignment, whatever it was, doing research and things like that. And so they they made that available for us to be able to search the web, I guess. Yeah. And, and do some some studies and uh i don't remember it was dial up it was dial up and it it, nine times out of ten not to throw a wet blanket on it i would come in here and i could never get in (laughs) but that 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 was the day so i guess the moral to the story is are we not so thankful for the instant connection that we have today and really the means of of connection and how quickly technology has advanced just in the last 20 years and it to me it just seems like it's exponentially advancing so quickly that i mean is it bezo bezos jeff bezos bezos that's going to go to space or is it yeah, yeah okay bezos is i hope he stays up there <laughs> well i was thinking about that they'll probably be up there like searching the web when they're up there it's, it's just crazy how quickly it's going. They'll be up there in the second heaven <laughs> partnering with the principalities and powers that have been fueling them all this time. Somebody's going to come out with a book with that. There'll be somebody having pictures that they post up yeah. on the Internet. Yeah. I read on Babylon Bee that um, Bill, oh, that's Gates, a, that's a <laughs> Bill Gates was going to go up there, but he had to wait until all of his Microsoft, stop, all of his Microsoft updates oh. were done. <laughs> Until he's fully vaccinated. Oh, my goodness. With all of his multitude of vaccines. Yeah, these are just interesting days. They really are. And I'm very thankful to be a part of it. But in so many ways, I just, I cringe at what's what's going on in the world. But we don't need to get off on that. We talk about spiritual things. We're going to talk about spiritual things now. Spiritual virtual things uh, now the lawn mowers have yeah the, the mower men are, are here see um and you can just it just descended like a plague of locusts i really do think probably that's because i'm here because i honest honest honestly i occasionally will if the weather's nice will think well i'm gonna go sit out in the back for a little bit and read or study or or whatever in the morning hours and inevitably I get out there and get all comfortable and get set up 
and somebody in my neighborhood starts the leaf blower or the lawn mower or the whatever's got, there's always something going on. And I have to really temper my frustration with that because I, I'm very sensitive to noise and it, it's so it must be because I'm here. <laughs> they thought, oh, Monica's over at the church. Let's go take our leaf blowers over there. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, it's funny. I mean, I didn't mean to seem racist, but wouldn't you say that most of the most of the crews that do lawns are from Mexico? And it's just the way it is. I'm very thankful for them. Yeah. When I, you know, when I was growing up in Pittsburgh, most of the crews that did this kind of thing were Italian. Oh, wow. And so there were all kinds of jokes about that. So it's just cyclical. Whoever is coming in, they fill these types of jobs. And really, there's no racism in regard to it. It's just the way economic things function. And, um, you know, when my ancestors, some of my ancestors came over here from Ireland, they did all kinds of grunge work. But that's just the way it was because they were the fresh people off whatever flotilla they used to get across the Atlantic. So, of course, the French people, of course, they never dealt with this because they, they always came equipped to, to overcome and to thrive. So, um, anyway, I do want to, want to give, once again, thanks to everyone who prayed and everyone who gave toward the um, the new equipment that is going to help fuel this network for the next many years. We, we still don't know how to fully use it because, as is the case, you just don't know until you have to. Uh, it's not, they're not TriCasters. They are, they are uh, units that were made in Australia from churches. I, I wonder if it was Hillsong, but um, they, they wanted to, to provide things for churches to be able to reach out, and um, they recognized that TriCasters were relatively expensive, so they made their own with better, different capacities. Of course, though, you were telling me today that, wasn't it in Australia that they're not able to sing into a microphone. Yeah, the government is really putting the kibosh on them and telling them that it, it really makes no sense to me, but it was Brian Houston at Hillsongs that tweeted that a couple of days ago, and then, of course, it caught fire um, with a lot of other people. Just, I mean, you just want to say, what? I mean, that makes no sense. They're saying basically that that it is illegal for them to sing into a microphone on a live stream feed. So that's that's basically what they're saying. So it, I, I didn't read anything about they can't preach, but um, they're not able to worship live stream in a, in a live stream capacity. And I, I know there's a lot of people around the world that follow that ministry, and, and, and they have been forerunners in, in worship really throughout the world, and it's just it's just crazy to me how governments in different places of the world are 
coming down on the church. But it's no big surprise. It's no big surprise. I mean, do they think that they're going to spread COVID through the microphone? I don't know. We should ask Dr. Fauci about through that. The, through the airwaves? Maybe if you wore four masks, <laughs> you could be microphone worthy. I, I don't know. I mean, that's that's a really bizarre thing. We rejoice. I, I honestly, we just celebrated the 4th of July. Seems like it was a very long running holiday this year. Seems like it started last week and it concluded, I guess, yesterday. But even today, I was walking the dogs and um, one of our neighbors who is in the real estate business here in Lakewood, um, his real estate company planted, planted, like 5,000 flags in Lakewood. They, they literally, it took them like a week, their whole staff went out and they stick a, a flag in every yard in the vicinity in the neighborhood, which is pretty big. And um, so as I walk my dogs in the morning and in the evenings, there's so many flags that are all over the place. And I think, who's gonna come pick these flags up? Oh. <laughs> I don't know. Well, hopefully not the same people that get the uh, election <laughs> posters that are inundating our parkways after we have an election here at the church. But one of the things that I was really giving thanks to the Lord for, particularly on Sunday, was um, our freedom to meet, our freedom to worship, our freedom to gather as a church. And that sounds like a really strange measure of gratitude, but it's reality for us that how thankful we are that we still have freedom of religion and, and freedom of speech and well, you say freedom of speech, that's limited, but you know what I'm saying. So I'm very thankful that we are able to even be with you today through the live stream. It is, uh, it is a great blessing. And um, anyway, and, and we also want to thank all of you who participated last week in the prayer, Seven Spirits Prayer and fasting. Uh, I have thanked Monica for coordinating that and putting it together and scripting out all of those pages of, of uh, cadence for us with scriptures and directive heading. I don't see how anybody could have been confused by any of that. Yeah, it was a really powerful week of prayer. We had a I think our entire congregation participated in that, and that was a great blessing. And then churches around the network as well. And then uh, many of our intercessors internationally also inquired and said they wanted to join with us, and we're just very thankful for that. Um, we are continuing in our pursuit of praying for our nation, and this week we're going to be hosting a fivefold. Well, a five-fold prayer. We're going to be hosting a corporate prayer time here at the Father's Church tomorrow night from 6 to 7.30 um, because, well, for a multitude of reasons, but not the least of which is last week we really didn't ask people to submit insights. We asked you to pray and, of course, glean we always, always encourage you to glean prophetically what the Lord is saying, what he's doing. 
um, but we didn't formally ask for insights. And so this week is really going to be a time of reflection and really just to come together is is the body of Christ to to continue in our pursuit of prayer on behalf of this nation and then also to glean and to share, to prophesy. And so we'll be reflecting, and but we'll also be focusing on what God has done and what he will, what he's continuing to do on behalf of this pursuit. So we welcome you to pray with us. We welcome you to gather intercessors wherever you are. Do a fivefold. Do a have a, a focused prayer time. This is really somewhat of an inaugura inauguration. Inauguration? An inaugural. <laughs> inaugural. Inaugural, thank you. Prayer time really launching us into a season of, of prophetic prayer. And so as we lead into the seminar and really begin to, to gather again formally, officially, in fivefold pursuit in whatever way God has us to do that. So we do invite you to join with us and and gather gather a group and pray and and glean and share and just see what God says. And then partner. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Um and this is not necessarily Wednesday. This Wednesday is not necessarily a Saints Network type of a thing. But of course, if you want to, to pray, please pray. Oh, we encourage you to do that. Yeah. I mean, every every house of prayer, every pocket of intercession throughout the world should be gathering on a regular basis in a fivefold kind of a way. To hear what God is saying and to um, really exercise the gifts that He's given to us, and even if it's just you there alone, I mean God can speak to you in a fivefold way through your intercession. So we just want to challenge you in that and really encourage you. He's taught us, He's gifted us, He's anointed us, He's taught us how to pray. He tells us that when we pray in tongues, we interpret, and so we just really want to encourage that. To, to be ignited again. Right. Well, you know, I, I, I do believe with with you that these are these are new days. They're they're building off of what God has established us in. And when we mention fivefold prayer, still, I mean, I I still think back at the cringeworthy things that that we've both seen and heard where people would say I don't understand it I don't get it and but really all fivefold is is the expression of how God thinks and how God thinks in in so many of the proclamations in the word of God is in a fivefold way so we talk about the apostle being the objective. We talk about uh, the teacher being those insights that form the basis from which we, um, from which we're making our deduction. You have the prophet that helps to direct what those insights are toward an apostolic view. 
you have the evangelist, which is somewhat of an epiphany, somewhat of a spark of, of gleaning. And then you have the pastoral, which is the base of prayer. It's, it's the base. And we align that out of the fivefold teachings from the New Testament. Those are very easily discerned. And so we use those, that pursuit all toward what is God saying? What's the accumulation of insights that he's given? How is he directing us? What are sparks of insight that he's giving? And we do that based upon prayer, based upon who we are in our governmental uh, created position. And um, we are very sensitive to let the hand change hands. Uh, to w- which just be- basically means we're sensitive to the flowing of the Spirit. So that's just basically the way we glean. And so God has had us study this. It's kind of like people that are doing physics or they're doing higher math and equations, which is incidentally is not white supremacist. Anybody that's doing that has to operate on a series of principles. You have to know equations. You have to know theorems. You have to have that, not in a book over here that you, okay, I forget what this one is. It's got to be second nature. It's got to be built into you so that when you're doing something, uh, when you're working on something, you can immediately deduce based on that. So God brought us through these many years of hammering. What is fivefold thought? What is this? How do you get it? It should be second nature for, or first nature for us. We should be thinking as God thinks, which is indicated throughout the word. And there's something that, that I have been gleaning as I've been reading a lot of books from academia, from secular academia, about religion, about the spirit realm, getting to the underbelly, the bedrock of what progressivism is teaching in a lot of churches. And if there's one thing I'm seeing is that these people, what do you mean these people? They have no qualms about saying you need to reach out into the spirit and gain insights. They have no qualms about that. People with 15 doctoral degrees behind their name have no embarrassment in saying that. And they drill their people. They, they press in to do whatever's necessary to hear basically from demons. And they call it the cosmic God, the religion of no religion. But it's basically demonism. And to me, I, I'm seeing a strata of how they do this, what they say they have to do. And they... On the one hand, they mock the scripture, but on the other hand, they take scriptures and then twist them to say, this is how you do it. Now, God has given us the real. We as Pentecostal, spirit-filled, pneumaticos, sons of God, we, we've been given the real. And we, we've been being taught the rudimentary, elementary procedures understanding gifts that God has listed in the scripture, how they function. And those should be, again, I keep saying this term, second nature, but they should be the way we think and function. 
And we should not have to dumb that down and tone that down so that the world can, you know, did, did they hide Pentecost in the upper room so that the world wouldn't see, so that people from, from all the various countries that had come there for that feast wouldn't be put off? I mean, listen, the other, the other side, our enemy, is, is not hiding this. He may be hiding it from people who are, I'd, I'd like to use a couple terms here, who are being sucked into it uh, from, the, from the church, may be hiding their true agenda, but it's very clear. It's very easy to see. And so I guess what I'm saying is, number one, <sighs> We need to reiterate those things that are so readily believed among us. And we need to recognize that even though a lot of the general church is still not with it, we were never called to be the general church. We're called to be saints. And we need to act like what God has given us really does matter. And we also need to begin to in our pursuit of God and intercession, begin to believe for deeper measures of following him and his insights. You know, it really is the time of, um, of seeing the demonstration of the Spirit and with power. When, you know, when Paul the Apostle said, I didn't come to you with fair-sounding words and the wisdom of, of uh, basically instructors. If anybody thinks that Paul, who through the Spirit wrote a majority of the New Testament, didn't know how to write with the wisdom of uh, mankind, and if anybody thinks that, that Paul did not dwell on doctrinal positions, they're fooling themselves. But the demonstration of the Spirit and power comes upon that. It's not one or the other. It, it, the enemy would like it to be one or the other. But we are we're entering into a time where we, we need to press into the heart of God to, to really maneuver on his behalf in the deeper things of the Spirit. And one of the things we've got to use, well, two things we've got to use in doing that is prayer and these principles from the scripture that God has been teaching us over these years. I'm just rambling here. No, it's true. So, and you know, and I'm grateful too that, you know, we are going to be praying on Wednesday night here. Um, We'll still continue for the foreseeable future with Wednesday Night Live on online, but we need to begin to go back to initial types of pursuits where we are pressing the envelope with different gatherings of intercessors led by the Spirit. And um, yeah, but it's it's kind of different though because. I remember when we first started to do these kinds of things and you had the you had the 
the two sides. One, you were trying to lead everybody into this. So you, you wanted to demonstrate, okay, this is how you do it. Come on, let's do it. And it seemed like forever to get just even a handful of people doing that. The other thing was that God was doing some really deep things during those days, and we needed to try to press the envelope into them. And it's very difficult to do both of those at the same time, where you have new people, but then you have, you have, you got to have people that are pressing into the new. Of course, that can, the same can be said in the study of the scripture. It's very difficult to speak any new meat of the word, uh, when you when you got a bunch of babies sitting out in the audience, very difficult. This is probably a really bad analogy, <laughs> but it, you know it's it's hard to be intimate and passionate when you're taking care of a bunch of little babies and yeah. breastfeeding. I mean, it's <laughs> it's yeah, just I, the way that it is. Yeah. But I I just have to to say that um, the saints. That have that that have been raised up in our company. I over the course of the last twenty-two years, when I've been a part of this interpretation ministry, I, I mean, I I have been so blessed by the way that the intercessors have championed um, these principles and really tried. And really applied themselves, and and just stepped out there, and so we're just going to jump in deeper. Yeah. And you don't need your floaties. <laughs> you, it, you don't. I mean, the Lord has trained us, and we've got to walk in the confidence of the training that He has brought us through, and and hold fast but at the same time we have to apply ourselves we have to apply ourselves and that is mind body and soul i mean it's and spirit of course but i mean we have to i just worked with the the french speaking people on this very thing on just the understanding of fivefold and and the seven spirits and interpretation and i mean what just kept coming out was it requires your the application of all that God created you to do, and 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 so we allow a lot of those things to become dormant because it is our nature to be lazy. It is our nature to do just enough to get by. It's our nature. It's our nature. I'm afraid, but the Lord is calling us to a higher standard, and He. And it's not just that, it's he, I mean, I was just reading in Matthew 15, in Matthew 13 where you were talking, where the he takes the disciples aside and, and they're asking him, why do you speak in parables? And he says, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but it is not given to them. You guys, it is given to us to understand these mysteries. And, and what a privilege that is yeah seriously but then he goes on through the whole chapter teaching these 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 parables and 
you know, I think the thing that gets me so much, especially with really the world that we live in today and the evil and the darkness that we are, that we face is the reality that says that, you know, the reality of the wheat and the tares, that one day those tares are going to be pulled up and bundled up and caught on fire and thrown into the pit of hell. And mm. I, that is the reality that we are looking into. And so... Um, not that that really links with what we're talking about, but it's all in that chapter. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that, that is a very interesting passage that you referenced in Matthew. Which one? The, the one parables. you started to read about the parables yeah. and the mysteries. Because when I was in Bible college, we were told that Jesus spoke in parables because it was an agrarian society, which basically meant they were, they were hill folk who had no learning. And so he had to speak parables so that he could entertain them and cause them to, to listen to his story. And that's what we were taught. And, and so there were thousands of pastors who have heard that very type of teaching. <clears throat> but then Jesus says, I speak unto you in parables because, what did you say? It's it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. To know the mysteries. Mm -hmm. So how do, you, how do you bridge that gap between him speaking these parables and saying, they ask, why do you do that? And he says, it's given to you to know the, the mysteries. What does that mean? That means that whatever Jesus says, we have to pay somewhat of a price to discipline ourselves to press in to the mysteries. We can either view the things that God says in a baby way and just say, oh, yes, that ministered to me. Uh, or we can say, why is he saying this? What does it what kind of demand does this place on me? Because I don't want to just hear a parable, as wonderful as it is. I want to understand the mysteries. And, and to do that, that's what separates the disciples from the hoi polloi that are out there hearing things. And, you know, I remember many, many years ago, Peter Wagner um, said that that the church begins as a pioneer and then they become settlers and then they don't want to go out and pioneer anymore. So pioneers go out from the settlement. And that, that's really true. And, and they, they continued the analogy, analogy with the difference between being a farmer and a rancher. Um, now, we need, we need to have settlements. We, we need to have new towns developed. But if you don't have people who will say, I'm going to press forward to that mountain over there, I'm, I'm going to go up into that mountain. I'm going to go cross that ridge and see what's on that other side. If you don't do that, your expansionism is over. And so you've got to have, <clears throat> you've got to have both. You really do, because people who are in a settlement generally forget how to pioneer, which is why you have Boy Scouts and Eagle Scouts 
try to teach kids whose ancestors did this stuff every day how to how to cut how to make a fire how to how to skin um, their their kills so that they can have something to eat you know you've got those two things and I remember when when my family my parents were so were so oh what's the word embarrassed when they would take me and my sister down home to visit the folks who lived in West Virginia because they were afraid that we would be classified as cityfied. That was the phrase. And, uh, you know, my, if, if, if I experienced something that we didn't do in the city and I didn't know what was going on, I could I would look over at my dad or mom and and I had to be really careful because I didn't want to let on that I didn't know what was going on and then they would come over and do whatever they were going to do and I'd learn how to do that but they were scandalized that we who lived in the city would be deemed as cityfied and and I thought man this is weird this is really weird because to me this is civilization, and <laughs> we should be bringing that here. But the reason I'm saying that is that, yeah, because I lived in a, a booming city, I didn't really know how to, to live in, out, in the, out in the mountains. I didn't really know how to do that. So I knew that provision, um, and, and so we are called to be those that give me this mountain, uh, or as what did Pastor Levester call it, rim runners. <laughs> um, we're called to be that, and we've had to purposely try to establish settlements and to teach. You see, see, here's the deal. Isn't this true? Our our um, the meat has really become milk for us. But it's still meat for the people that we're going to. And, and so it's, it's difficult to be both of those kinds of people. You almost have to have some that know how to process and bring people up to speed and get them going while you've got those that are apostolically driven who are from the base of that pressing into the new. We've tried to do that. I'm not saying we haven't done it, but if, if there's anything that we know right now, it's, boy, we, we gotta, we gotta press the envelope. So I'm thankful for this new beginning, uh, post pandemic, where we are starting to, to do some different things and some new things, but the agenda is to cause everybody to be functioning in a pneumaticos plane and actually functioning in it while we press forward into the new. Um, that, I just think that's interesting. Yeah, which is why we encourage all of our intercessors throughout the world to take <laughs> these understandings and these principles and apply them where you are. You know, don't just wait for the directive. Um, you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. It, it's it's 
I mean, you got to consider yourself. You are, whether it's just you or whether you have a small group, you can function in this and you can move forward in this. And, and because it takes practice, it takes exercising the gifts, it takes the application of it. And, and let me just tell you, for those of you that I know are listening, you have become the forerunner where you are. You've been trained, you've been taught, you have studied this. And so now it's, it's you know, the Lord is expecting you to expand where you are. And yes, we will come and we will impart and we will affirm and encourage, but we all have to take responsibility for these mysteries and for the revelation that God has given to us and apply them where we are. And I think that's one of the hardest things in expansion because, um, you know, everybody wants the apostle. Everybody wants, everybody wants that present but what God has called us in the fivefold, and we've learned this just through exercising it, that we can flow in those different anointings in the midst of our prayer and gleaning and, and prophetic declaration. And so I love that. I mean, you may not have five, the fivefold offices in your church functioning, but I can tell you in the spirit and through intercession, you can apply those principles and, and yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's that's good. Yeah. You know, it's it's very interesting. Um, yesterday, I was privileged as it's my privilege every week to connect with um, our saints in Brazil, and Anna Muniz, Luciano's wife, is translating and every week she's getting better which I'm really I know we all are thankful for so um, Yoali and I were working with her and then we were talking and she was saying how that um, she was really this is my word pressing the envelope regarding prophetic worship and she was stepping out in their church as a worship leader leading the people into things of worship so i was grateful for that because it's imperative for us to have somebody there who is recognized in authority who who this sounds really american but who can speak english who can understand the message then and be able to communicate it without us having to go and having somebody translate for us but one of the questions she had was how you know when we're pressing we're pressing into the lord how do you keep the congregation uh, tapped into that because most congregations are so programmed that if they don't have words up in front of them or if you're not telling them every second what to do or if there's not some emotional thing that draws them in, or if the music, aren't there some cool licks being played, or if it's just not precise, you know, all that stuff. I, don't, I shouldn't even have to detail that. If that's not happening, and if there's, if there's any significant lull, a lot of the congregations, even though it's people that love the Lord, don't know what, they don't know what to do. And so they shut down 
or they start playing on their phone or they get up and go out or you know and and that's just a long-standing battle that any pneumatic church has dealt with but it's it's very interesting my point is to have that kind of discussion and to make some suggestions um, to a church that is now embracing the calling of being saints in in a nation that has been called to become an army in this end time. And um, so... I think that, because we've been down this road <laughs> here at the Father's Church and just through the birthing of prophetic worship and just being pretty much an integral part of that through the years um, in, in somewhat of a um, peripheral capacity that you need you need worship you need singers that will probe the depths you need they need the freedom to be able to go there and draw from that place in his heart and draw the, the, from the depths you know the the deep calleth unto the deep I mean we need that flowing in our worship desperately and I think I think there's a huge shift in the in worship um, that that really is is ordained of the Lord to take the focus off of anything other than him and and but I, I think what you're saying I think that's that to me I think it's important to have I think that's where the, the, the prophetic voice is important. Um, and so, because the congregation needs to be guided. I mean, unfortunately, that's the way it is. I mean, those singers and the instruments are up there leading them to the throne and leading them into the presence of the Lord. But the reality is, is they need to be led. And right. so you've got to have... Um, just a good mix of those that will tap the depths, those seekers that will go there and draw that out, either on an instrument or with their voice, but you also need the prophetic voice to come in and, and, and also be gleaning and guide the, the congregation with where they're going. And that's why I think the prophetic is so important in the midst of that worship, because um, it's just a necessary thing. And so you want your singers to be, to be free to be able to go there. And, and it, it, it's just an, it's an interesting balance um, really to maintain. And, and I can't say that we've mastered it, but I do know that we've, we've tapped so many different dimensions of it that, um, I think what's ahead is really the perfecting of that. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so um, that's exciting to me because to me that's a birthing of a really a deeper dimension and really where I think God is taking prophetic worship. And, you know, not just here. I mean, I see it happening. Um, you, know, he, you know, he's he's turning a lot of mainstream worship upside down and, and saying, well, we don't need to go there. Well, the, it's like a reset. Well, the, the beauty of, of, I think, where the Lord is taking us is 
is I'm recognizing that the enemy is pressing into these many of the similar seducing paths. And what we're going to have to have is the demonstration of power. And you can't, you can't teach that. You can't, um, you can't fabricate that. You can't say, if I do this and this and this and this and this, then this will happen. The, the dunamis of the Lord comes upon, uh, really, and what we've said over and over again from the scripture, Jesus performed signs and wonders and dunamis miracles to highlight and to draw people to the message of the kingdom, the message of the kingdom. And we're, we're putting out the true, the real. The enemy's putting out things toward a similar, in his mind, agenda. Um, and what, what we're going to see is what Philip dealt with with Simon the sorcerer. Simon the sorcerer said, I'm the great power of God. And miracles, and, and the Bible says, were happening through, through him. And they deceived many. But the real power comes through those who are established by God to represent his message. And that's what we're positioning ourselves to see as this foundation of these pneumaticos truths continues to be laid you, you have to have that framework where people are pressing in. This is not the agenda for the whole church. See, you can't, you can't all go after dunamis in, in miracles because if that's your objective, then where, where is the things that God says you live by? You don't live by the miracle. You live by the relationship. You live by the walk. You live by the principles of God. You know, look at Moses' writings. Remember all those things that he said, this shall you do, thou shalt not. You, all these things, you've got to have this as part of the framework of who you are. Did he ever write to them about how to part the sea? Did he ever write to them about how to have fire fall down from heaven? Did he ever write to them about any of those things? Not really. We can deduce by seeing when they happened, but the majority of what he wrote was what you do and what you don't do. And that's not legalism. It's that you have to establish the framework of the altar for the fire to come upon. And if you focus on the fire, like the two sons of, of Aaron did, you're going to be consumed. And not in a good way. Not in a good way. <laughs> That's strange fire. Why is it strange? Because it's not based upon what God has called the people to be and to do. How are we doing time-wise? We still have some time. So I guess the new, the new day when we come together for, we're already starting into it, but our seminar in September, the feast, we come together to remember who God's called us to be 
what how we're to be aware how we're to be functioning in our specific callings as individuals and as groups and as a saint's body a holy nation a saint's nation you know what what is god going to say in equipping us for the going forward but you think about what we've been talking about here what what did god say about those three times a year when you come together those three spoke about his ongoing objective but everybody had to be aware of their the deep principles of god they had to come and be what adonai was calling them to be they had to really hone up on what is your identity what do i require of you you know you've got to do that you've got to remember this and you've got to be that because that's the framework by which i drive the ites out that's the framework by which you go into the nations and establish the kingdom so he didn't say oh i want you three times a year to come and i'm going to do demonstrations of power from heaven and i'm going to ooh and ah everybody <laughs> that's not what he said that's the result of the established foundations so we've been preaching here today must be something to do with this room So, anything uh, further that we should say? Nada? Um, let's see. It is now July. So, it's the seventh month. We need to be continuing to look forward to the tobe to the peace of our accomplished mission we need to continue to do away with any measure of lamenting about the past or failures or things that humans seem to have a proclivity to dwell on and we need to press into the cheerful feast of the Lord. All right. Well, I don't have my little clock in front of me. I have to keep touching my phone to see what time it is. Um, thank you for being so faithful to pray and to serve the Lord wherever it is that he has planted you. And... Um, we just continue to walk together in what God is leading us through as his light. You know, don't be overly concerned with the darkness and the gross darkness. Keep pressing forward. Um, we're already in a miracle walk. I mean, we sit here today in this room because God has miraculously provided state-of-the-art new equipment that's being installed right now. That's a miracle. 
you've you've been enjoying miracles in in your family i mean i'm not bringing up what's what's been happening and but even today you get to go and spend some time with your parents in something that a year ago i remember when we talked it seemed impossible how is this going to be you know to position my parents in a new place a place that's nice and it's going to be a blessing but yet today it's happened we're walking in miracles right now and so we need to be encouraged amen all right well god bless you all we look forward to uh, the next time we can be together but keep on praying if you've not submitted your first saturday words please do that and um May God bless you all. Amen. 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 Goodbye, everybody. Have a beautiful day. Have a beautiful day. Have a beautiful day.